0: Good afternoon, happy Tuesday, this is the Happy Hour 93.7, the ticket, The theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique alvarez Clara are with you today, hello Rico.
1: Hello. How's
0: it going, man? It's going fantastic, man, my, my brain is just running amok with everything that's been going on in it's, college football. It is wild, I, I stepped back and I thought about it, everything that has kind of happened over the last, oh, 48, 72 hours or so, and... I just told you before we went on, it's wild to think at the the amount of people that actually knew about USC and Lincoln Riley talking. And there was that interview with Scott Van Pelt, as I turn up my headphones here, um, there was that interview with Scott Van Pelt that that Lincoln Riley did, I believe, last night. And it was talking about how, um, yeah, you know, USC contacted him early Sunday morning, and then I actually have this clip, which we can play. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of paired it actually with Chris Plank from the Sooners Radio Network. Because I I want to touch on this before we dive into Nebraska football stuff. And then um, before we uh, talk to Jacob Padilla for some Husker Hoops action at 2.30 today. But it's just phenomenal everything that's happening in college football. Going from blue blood to a bigger blue blood. Mm -hmm. Basically in in terms of Oklahoma to USC and then Notre Dame to LSU. It's just wild to think about it. Um, and as always, 402-464-5685, the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, the sarder Haman text line, both those open for you all hour long. But I, I want you guys to hear this, because it's very interesting on this um, on this interview between Lincoln Riley and Scott Van Pelt last night, because Lincoln Riley, you'll hear it on the first clip, says, yeah, we started talking to USC um, Saturday, Sunday morning, and then on the second clip, he mentioned something about Saturday night talking to USC. And then... You hear a clip that you heard on our show yesterday when we talked to Chris Plank that on Saturday night, when they after they lost at Bedlam, Lincoln Riley and his wife, his wife was extremely relieved that they were not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it's about a minute and a half long, but it's clips uh, connected together. And so you'll hear the first Scott Van Pelt clip and you'll hear Lincoln Riley talk about Sunday talking to USC, then Saturday and then you'll hear Chris Plank from the Sooners Radio Network from our show yesterday, so here's that. When did this opportunity present itself to you, Lincoln, in a way that it was real enough that you really had to ponder what you were going to do? Yeah, very early Sunday morning. uh, USC engaged with some interest and wanted to have a conversation, and honestly, Scott, that's the first conversation at any point in my time at Oklahoma that I'd ever had with, uh, with another football team, but I think just the 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 history, the tradition, uh, the the excitement of the new opportunity. So, it's, I mean like you got to call somebody early in the morning cuz i mean like <laughs> by the time i'm awake it's like it's the train the, the train was down the tracks i mean so like this is like a first thing in the morning conversation you're having with your agent your family your people i mean that that's when this conversation's happening it went quickly we had a, we had a conversation late that night when we got back to to norman um, right. when the, we knew that the interest from from usc was real and then we, we slept for i think about 2 hours and then got back <laughs> up and kind of really hammered through it coach comes in
1: after the battle of loss we do our interview his wife, Caitlin, and his youngest daughter were there, too. And it wasn't like a private place. You know, it mm-hmm. was a walkway. And so he went in to do another presser, and Caitlin and Sloan stayed out there with us while we just kind of went through the rest of our interviews. And about that time was when the report, he was asked, hey, uh, and said,
0: I'm not going to LSU. And we kind of joked with his wife, like, you got to be happy this is over, that no one's going to be bugging me about it. And she, I mean, I'm not kidding, guys. Like a genuine look of
1: relief, like finally, and I'm tired of getting all these mm. questions.
0: I think I am just fascinated by the the small group of people that knew about this, and and maybe it's stupid for me to be this just not not I don't want to say obsessed, but just like interested and intrigued by how this all played out, because it's hard to believe that their first conversation was whatever was late, Saturday, late Saturday night, night Sunday morning. early early Sunday morning. It was definitely not Sunday morning. Yeah, after the second clip, you heard that it was not 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 Sunday Sunday morning. morning. But it's it's just very interesting in my eyes, because in this day and age, that never happens. And then, we didn't just see it once, we saw it twice. Where (laughs) Brian Kelly then, just without telling anybody, is down in Baton Rouge and accepts the LSU job, and then texts his players... Saying, hey guys, sorry that you had to hear it over social media or read it over social media, but I'll be back at seven AM tomorrow. We'll have an eleven minute meeting and then I gotta go back down to L S U.
1: Well he didn't say an eleven minute meeting, but it wasn't 11, was, was eleven minute meeting. It wasn't eleven minute meeting. They you know, the players and, and Brian Kelly were seen, you know, they had all entered the uh wherever that place where they have their meetings at and at seven eleven Brian Kelly was seen out leaving the leaving that area and then at 7 26 the players were seen leaving uh and actually there's a players podcast Ooh. four players have a podcast they had an emergency podcast the the when it was announced that brian kelly was leaving and
0: talk about an nil uh, booster there. on their on their
1: <laughs> podcast they were talking about how they're not angry at brian kelly this is yeah. you know a really good opportunity who they were upset with was the media for breaking the story and not allowing Brian Kelly to talk to his players before before they broke the story. It's just wild cuz and they also gave their uh, opinions on who they believe should be the next head coach. So. Who was it? Uh I didn't really listen to the whole thing. Okay. I just I heard that part and I was like yeah, that's funny.
0: Although all I'm saying is it's just interesting and and fascinating that they were not not just one guy moving from a blue blood to a blue blood, but two in a forty-eight hour period, we're yeah, in such a short amount of time, we're able to do these things behind the scenes with nobody knowing, not not one single, not even not even a rumor. Yeah. I'm not saying that they needed like it would have been reported mm-hmm. before it actually happened, but there wasn't even a rumor of Brian Kelly that I had personally heard of Brian <laughs> Kelly going to U.S. or to LSU. It was an hour, and then vice versa. The only rumor that we heard on over the weekend and for the last like week and a half was Lincoln Riley to, to LSU. LSU. Yeah.
1: The only time you heard a rumor of Brian Kelly to LSU was an hour before it happened. Yeah. And it was like, oh, Brian Kelly might be going to LSU. And everybody just immediately wrote it off. Like, why would he leave Notre Dame? That's dumb. And then, you know, turns out he's leaving Notre Dame. And to be fair, I thought when Lincoln Riley accepted the USC job and he was saying how, you know, uh, we had conversations, you know, Saturday and it moved very quickly Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, there's no way you had to have talked to these people way before in advance and gotten something, you know, hammered out and, and knew you were going to go there and just played it coy for a while. Yeah. But then seeing Brian Kelly, like, just go to LSU after, you know, I don't know if he met them, but but – <laughs> the difference is i don't i don't know if brian kelly actually went down to lsu or to louisiana for really anything you know at least lincoln riley was going to california and he was seen in california you know recruiting players so at that point i'm like oh he must have you know had conversations with usc staffers or something but with how fast brian kelly's situation moved it makes me believe more in Lincoln Riley's story of, you know, they talked to me Saturday night, we slept on it, we talked Sunday morning when we woke up, and got it hammered out really quickly, and then I was on a plane to, to Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, it's just fascinating. You guys know how to get in touch with the show, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, Starter Heyman text line, as well as on the video stream, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube, um, as well as you can tweet at us or, or engage with us on Twitter, at Nick underscore Sainter, and at Radio Rico AC. On the text line, we have a couple here. Um, one from Steve and one from Pickle Rick that I want to get to. Steve says, guys, LSU and USC are not better jobs, maybe better money. This is what I'll say. I, I do think that um the, the more questionable one is whether or not LSU is a better job than USC. That one's definitely probably for more money. What I would see with LSU is that they're in the SEC, and which is the top conference in football. And if Brian Kelly wants to prove that he is a top c- coach, once again, prove, mm-hmm. and, and maybe capture a national title. Or even an SEC title, something that he, a conference title, something that he could not do at Notre Dame, LSU was the place to do it. Um, and but, LSU's won two national
1: titles with two separate co- three, I think three. it was three national yeah. titles with three separate coaches in in like the two thousands. So uh, there, there is that you know little aspect to it where you know you have to be a pretty good coach, but also at the same time LSU is just just filled with talent and with players who are great and who are going to be great you just have to know how to mold them even if it's just for a year and you can win a national title and really i think that's all brian kelly is going for is a national title because what's what else currently, is missing? currently at notre dame like he's got the I, he has so many wins at notre dame he's done everything he can at notre dame except win a national title he's been yeah. in the playoff multiple times and just get blown out in the first round
0: and, and you can say you can i mean you can honestly say that being independent hurts when you're when you're trying to go for playoff seeding. Mm-hmm. Um there there's a way. And last year when they got blown out, that was last year, right? Yeah. Last year when they got blown out in the first round or whatever, like that they just weren't a top 4 team, but there have been years where they have played earlier on in the season like a top 4 team, but then they don't they just don't have the schedule sometimes. I mean, the Bob Diaco, Man stuff.
1: Titeo, they had the number one defense in the nation, yeah. and they got rolled. Yeah, by Alabama. So, and that's
0: just something that a guy, a place like LSU, that is in the SEC conference, is going to be able to provide. I mean, you guys know the SEC; it's a it's a tough schedule when you're in conference if you're in that division, and then um, you have the, a cupcake at the end of the season that you can really bolster your your morale with a with a fifty six to three win over Georgia Southern or whoever you want to play or Chattanooga, <laughs> and, and you're fine. Um, and then I, I think USC is quite a big jump in terms of of a blue bud between USC and Oklahoma. Look, Oklahoma and USC are are both blue buds. They're both
1: amazing jobs. They're both amazing, you know, college football programs. But USC is a better job than Oklahoma. Yeah. Like I I don't know what you what you need to convince you of that, but USC has just about everything you would need to be a successful college football program. They just haven't had the right coach to do it for them. They don't they don't have to leave the state for anything. They they have all the stars, they have all the eyes on them. You know, now with NIL there's so many opportunities. You can bring kids from anywhere just for the NIL opportunities. Like USC has everything you need, plus the good weather, plus a Not that great conference to go through. You have a couple of teams every once in a while that are really good uh, that can kind of challenge you. But if a guy, if Lincoln Riley can, can, you know, do what he did at Oklahoma at USC, nobody in the Pac 12 is touching him. No. And they are going to roll through the the Pac 12 every single year and make the playoff. Like it's, it's a fantastic
0: job. And and he's, he's, I think he's going to be great there. He's shown the ability to recruit Southern California already from Oklahoma. And so, I mean, that was a big thing that we talked to Chris yesterday about was they they lost Oklahoma, that is, lost a bunch of recruits from Southern California. A lot of their 2023 class, so not even this class, but the the next year's class was already – was already starting to fill up with a lot of highly touted recruits. And without the success, USC would still have great recruiting classes. So just
1: imagine if they actually start winning games. Like, what are they going to be able to do?
0: And let's be real. College football is better when, I mean, let's have that conversation again. College football is better when USC, Texas, Florida State, Nebraska is included in this, are playing well. Everybody can agree on that. When when Nebraska I mean, what was the stat that came out this year? It was the first time that Nebraska and Florida State and some and Texas. Other, and Texas finished with a losing record and aren't going to a bowl game in the same year. Like it's college football is just not the same. And and Lincoln Riley Oklahoma is going to also be fine. Like I think that's another thing is is it's a huge loss. It's a monumental loss for Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley going to USC, but they are going to be fine, whoever they get, because mm-hmm. they are a they are still a blue blood. They are still a top ten job in the country. Just, you know, like, like, uh, ooh, I, I almost said Nebraska. Is Nebraska <laughs> a top 10 job? 402 464 5685. Give us your thoughts. But let's move on to Nebraska. Um, let's, uh, I, I'm curious what you guys want out of the next offensive coordinator. We, we never have gotten an answer from you guys. We, we've given our thoughts about whether or not Scott Frost will be able to, um, be able to kind of take a step back and, and let the offense coordinator do the work. And there hasn't, I mean, the only murmur, and I don't even want to address it because I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't looked into him a ton, is Willie Corn, I suppose. But that's been the only murmur. But there's been nothing substantial, I suppose, to to go Except off of Except for his that. last name. Yeah. That's Which, it. That's, that's going to be a bad day on the internet if – if Nebraska hires Willie Corn, yeah. Um, anyway, I, I can already <laughs> see the graphics being made. But yeah, I, kinda, uh, I
1: agree. Like I'm, I'm with you. I, I haven't done much research into Willie Corn. I don't know much about him. I just know that he's at Coastal Carolina doing his thing, and and there have been rumors, and that's really all they
0: are, are rumors
1: about him being looked at by Nebraska. Uh,
0: so I, I'm curious, what you guys want out of the next offensive coordinator? What do you want Nebraska's offense to look like? Because we we've been in the urban the, in the in the USC in the Big 10 <laughs> conference for 11 years now and we have a good idea of what it looks like what what needs to um what kind of offense needs to be ran to be successful who what kind of personnel you need for the offense to be successful so taking all those things into account you guys are you guys are smart out there like you guys understand it um and and being able to listen to a guy like Jay in the afternoons, you guys are able to get even a better perspective on it. And you understand the personnel. You understand the position that Nebraska is in. And, and also, you understand that they want to go into the transfer portal quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that means getting a mix of guys that are instant impactors, that's one thing. Maybe at a quarterback position, depending on Adrian Martinez's decision. But also, depending on Adrian Martinez's decision, you still want to get an instant impactor mm-hmm. because you are ready for a mutual split, which is understandable. So taking all those things into account, what do you want? We saw it on Friday. They simplified the offense with Logan Smothers, ran him 20-plus times. We talked about it yesterday. That's not a sustainable option for an offense. Not an especially entire season. In, especially in a physical conference like the Big Ten. So taking all those things into account, what do you want? What do you want the offense to look like? And, and I, I'll ask Jacob Padilla this when we, when we talk to him here in a couple minutes because we're running out of time. We'll have to touch on this in the final segment. But what do you want the offense to look like? Brian T says something slightly more simple so the athletic weapons can actually get on the field, even if they don't know all five hundred variations of a post route. Now I don't
1: That's I don't know if the, there yeah. are five hundred variations of said post route, but I mean you've got I, I, I want to say, again, I'm I'm not a coach. We can we can maybe bring in DP and ask him about that. I want to say that most route trees are pretty similar in in the way that they're built up and and the same and the routes that they're going to run uh but the way that Nebraska runs its offense is that it builds off of so many plays mm-hmm. that when you're calling a play it's like okay we're going to do this but there's also going to be this option built in here and there's going to be this option built in here so it's not that it's not that you know it's one play in in that you're calling at the time it's it's one play that you're calling that also has like two separate options built off of it. You know, the quarterback could run, the quarterback could hand it off. The quarterback could, you know, run an option with the running back or with the wide receiver. He could throw it to, to you know, the slant route here, or the guy could run a post or a curl. You know, you find the, the hole in the zone. Like, there's just so many things built off of what this offense is that it makes it so complicated. But I kind of agree with Brian T. Like, if you could simplify it even a little bit, that might help getting more offensive weapons on the field. But even with that... Maybe it it already is, and it's just there are different things behind the scenes that we don't know about that are going on that are keeping guys off the field.
0: His offense is pretty quarterback-centric, so maybe finding a guy that doesn't need to do—or finding an offense of game plan that doesn't need the quarterback to be Superman every single play for every single game. Um, Unnamed Texas says, go all in on this option attack with some elements of— Elephants. Of the UCF and Oregon sprinkled in, you have to be unique. Frederick Frank says this offense is finally clicking. You just need a quarterback that doesn't turn it over. Frost isn't turning over the offensive reins to anybody. He's too invested in his own ability to run the offense. And if he's going down, he's text him. He is he's sure to bet on himself. Drumstick says meat and potatoes offense. Run the ball, win time of possession. Somebody else says you only you need a good offensive line. Offense gets exponentially easier with a good line. Yeah, I, I, I agree. With, I agree with all those. I don't I mean, know for if,
1: any offense, you just need a good offensive line. That's not even you know simplifying the offense or anything. That's just getting something that you need to do to
0: win football games. Correct. I mean, are are we to the point where we're ready for Nebraska to really embrace the Big Ten? Uh, West? Your, your Big Ten West, it's a defense first kind of program. Nebraska needs to invest in the defense more than anything. And, and let's have a low-scoring ball game every single week. Are we, are we are at we, that point? Are
1: we full, fully invested in becoming a Big Ten program, a Big Ten West program, where you're running the ball you know, 30-plus times a game with, with one guy and, and playing
0: hard-nosed defense and not making mistakes and winning the game 10-3? to 3? Now, that's, that's an interesting point that I'm going to have to leave everybody on this for thinking about this. It's one thing for the fan base to be sold on the idea of becoming a Big Ten West team. But you're only going to find success when the coach and the coaching staff and the players in that room Mm -hmm. embrace that idea as well and have unity, transparency, and accountability. Very, very interesting. Two different things there. All right, let's take a break. We'll get to Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity to talk some Husker hoops ahead of NC State next on the Happy Hour